I like the idea that you see positive in every day. So I woke up this morning. That's positive. And I felt the need to get back to nature and unpack uh, the thoughts in the head. You know, you have those days where you just wish you had a pause button on on everything. Whether it's good or bad, what's going on, you just feel that uh, sometimes you need to stop the world. I want to get off for a minute and just reset. So that's, that's been coming up for a while. I found myself driving into the Blue Mountains National Park, west of Sydney, uh, to Martin Lookout via Lawson, and then walked down to the creek, which is where I am now, and there's a thousand cicadas that are making a heck of a lot of noise. And I'm trying to understand and decipher the thoughts and the thought pattern and how you can control it or at least manage it to try and um, have have some kind of control over life and daily activities. And in thinking of that, I'm often reflecting on thoughts that come in. And I only had an epiphany a moment ago where I'm not sure if it's a distraction measure that I'm easily distracted or if it's a fear of facing thoughts that are coming up because you often have those times sitting down and you'll be either doing something like I'm doing a study platform or I'm doing something for work or I'm just doing something, whatever it may be and then all of a sudden I have this urge to know I need to go and eat something or suddenly I'm chewing my nails or I need to go and move around and look at something um, or any other kind of pleasure-giving activity that, that distracts you for a moment from whatever was happening. I've never been able to then identify what it was that was coming up. I mean... Yeah, sitting there for ages doing an essay or something you're not interested in, kind of boring. But even doing, when, when you're by yourself and you're doing a task or you're just existing or living or you're doing something and then having that distraction, I don't know, does anyone else have that? But I think I just identified and still don't know how to further work on it, but maybe that need for the other activity that's of pleasure like it's a very Freudian thing with the oral fixation to say about biting nails um, I can't quantify it I've done it all my life but also you know having something to eat the sweet thing I'm eating from my mouth I'm not eating from my stomach because I'm hungry um, or anything else getting up and just changing perspective it's it's basically walking away from a conversation that is happening internally yet I'm not not at the stage to be aware enough to hear the conversation but it's obviously there just under the surface wanting to come out so I guess that's the next step trying to trying to get through the conscious mind to get the gatekeeper away so we can open it and I can have that conversation or at least hear what needs to come out because when you sit or leave when you have days and you think no all good everything's happening fine I'm in charge of this and spend most of my time looking after others and that's not a distraction whether that's because I feel I'm fine I'm good and I want to make sure you people don't get into trouble that I've been into or, or you don't suffer or if there's anything I can do I can help I'm certainly mindful when I'm not able to uh, function at my highest then I try my best not to be in a position to to be one to help others uh, and that's purely a self-preserving uh, technique. It's not selfish. It's just making sure that I'm not going into something 
without being fully charged and armed to be able to assist because if I'm suffering, how can I help someone else? You might be able to get a small amount, but if they know you as one who is to help and you go over it with open arms and say, here, let me help you, and they unload things that uh, you aren't able to cope with, then there's two of you damaged. It's like someone who can't swing running in to surf to save someone that's drowning. Like two of you then go down. It doesn't work. So it's an interesting concept that I look forward to delving into a bit further. And I've um, recently connected with Jeff Garland, who's ex-police and runs PTS Free. And I look forward to doing some work with him over the next eight weeks. And just uh, going through different different modalities to unpack things that I previously didn't think were worrying me. Um, I've had issues in the past. I've resolved those issues in the past with a wonderful counsellor. And you just move on with life. I've got a great life at the moment with my wife. And we have everything we want. Um, but yet these things are obviously still things I haven't dealt with from my life and my service that I need to now get get managed in order to move forward so that I can go and help more others in um, in any other role I take on. So, yeah, this will be a bit of a journey, I think, of uh, connecting to myself uh, that I think stories will resonate with others, especially those that have been in first responder positions. Um, I want to be looking forward to speaking to others that are in that space um, that, that do provide support and I'll find out more about them later but overall making making a conversation or having a conversation that that hopefully I can help myself that's the main aim uh, so I can have a good life with myself and my wife but in that also provide a pathway to others who may be looking for avenues of support to enable that um, enable that connection and and get you from where you are to where you want to be because I've been in some very horrible places in in my time with trauma and and the physical pain and the psychological pain um, there is a strong mind-body connection that when you're stressed and traumatized that does manifest into the body and you feel sick physically or you get sore joints and aches because you're carrying loads and and I've had many people that have, have suffered severe stress that have then gone on to develop severe medical conditions um, and one recently has, has passed away from it. And that's... I don't want to do that. You, you don't need to do that. There is ways around it. But it's about... Um, and I think as I'm finding now, I thought I was okay. Even though I just have some days here where I think, no, 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 it's just the daily stress. But now I think I have to acknowledge that, all right, it's, it's kind of whooshy. And um, I, I don't like the label of it. And it is very stigmatised, but I believe that I can sit here now and go, yeah, okay, I have got some trauma that's unresolved and I need to resolve that and I want to unpack that in some way in order to move forward. Um, nearly 20 years in policing, did fire brigade, retained before that, other kind of support, nursing, mental health. Um, before that, being a roadie and musician and, and all sorts of jobs. So you know, I've been relatively lucky in what I've experienced but in the same time in my policing career alone the amount of incidents I've been to that I can easily recall um, and pretty much vividly re-picture they don't appear to haunt me on a daily basis because I can talk about them and review them um, 
but there was some more recently that came up in the lines of you know domestic violence offences that that there's been some things that have re-triggered that kind of incident where I previously really didn't have any issues with it. Um, but now I seem to, and it's just that whole environment that you get the shakes and the heart rate and and you, you know, you escalate to a period of anything you say is now at a heightened tension, you're hypervigilant and you just want to stop hearing, talking, seeing and you want to run away and, and calm yourself down. And that hasn't happened to me for quite some time. Um... Hey, just jumping in. Uh, I'm just about to talk about an incident that happened, not in too much detail, but if you don't want to hear anything about a domestic situation, please fast forward to about the 11 minute mark. And it's never happened around those incidents. Uh, there was one incident in 2002 where I did rock up to a domestic where the, um, you know, I was myself a junior constable, but I had a probationary with me and a student and we turned up thinking it was a certain job and we looked across the road and got guided to another house where a guy was stabbing his girlfriend. And, you know, didn't know him from a bar of soap then, but fronted up there and um, basically he's in the window still hitting her. You could hear the scream and it wasn't a scream like a normal one. You could tell there was something definitely wrong with the way he was hitting her. So everything unfolded in a matter of 40 seconds kicked the door in, had a tackle with him, um, ended at gunpoint where finally other measures had resolved and he was feeling the effect and he threw the knife down. So we, you know, she ran out, she had a small baby with her. Um, I was very mindful of that in that split second motion that uh, you're faced with, you know, here I am three metres away from a bloke with a gun pointed at his head or chest and his bleeding partner is down at his knees and there's a baby on the couch half a metre to his left. So I can still see all this vividly. But the thought patterns in that time that slowed down so so, uh, so much to be able to sit there and go, well, OK, there's all these risks. He's no longer directly a threat, but if he gives this and that, he's going to end up, you know, being shot. But getting to that point and having her run out with the baby, he gets detained, we go and look after her. Um, I ended up with a knife wound in my leg at that time. My offside had got a knife down his arm, so he got scratched and we had the blood contaminate and a whole lot in that. Um, but it, it really, yeah, I can recall it and I don't feel there's any issues with that. I think the main issue I have, or my, my, my main issue I feel when these things came back recently was um, strongly surrounded those who despite the situation and despite the support that they are given, provided and afforded to ensure that they can break away from these, you know, wrongdoers that, that choose to be in a so-called loving relationship but yet harm them. Um, that, that, that part where they, the victims themselves won't leave or continue to go back or won't accept help or, or don't want to go on with, with further action to ensure the offender gets treatment or gets jailed or gets something. I mean, that's, that's I think, the part that hit me the most. Um, the amount of women that have died and some men and others that have just ongoing abuse. Like, you know, I've got lots of mates um, and we've had arguments, disagreements. We might say, you know, rude things to each other, but at the end of the day we buff heads and 
you know, we move on. I can't imagine anyone that you're supposed to have a loving and intimate relationship with treating them worse than your friends and, and as if they are just there to be victimised. I just, yeah, I don't know, I can't get my head around that. But, um, you know, it happens and it's very sad that it happens and there's people that go and respond to that, like police, like ambulance, like nurses, like social workers, like everyone else and they're affected over time because the person in the middle of it is dealing with that once and it's directly happening to them and they've got to manage that and I'm not by one instant detracting from that. It's severe, it's severe trauma. Um, but you sit there and think, but why are we continuing to do this and why are you not taking action forward uh, to get out when there's all this support? Because there's others that have to come behind you and, and try and help you and help others and they get affected by the rest of it. But that's a different slant on it, I guess, from a first responder point of view. Um, it'd be interesting to to understand more of the, um, I guess, the psychology behind the, the victim mindset in that space. I don't think it'll change anything. It'd just be different to to understand it. And again, this is a viewpoint. It's not, it's not judgmental. It's not in any way casting an aspersion. It's just, this is what I feel and see. And I know others have similar, so it's just, you know, putting it out there, I guess, but, uh, yeah, lots happened, but you go through every day thinking, no, I'm good, and then here I am nearly 20 years in, in a different space, and the smallest thing, such as, you know, inappropriate writing on a report is now the worst thing that happens to my day, because someone decides to put something inappropriate on a report, or doesn't... Uh, upline doesn't report correctly or um, you know there's just decisions made that aren't taking staff welfare into concern they're taking strict adherence to policy that will only lose more staff and those kind of things are now my significant stresses uh, the embitterment post-traumatic embitterment disorder is a thing but I'm still looking more into that it's you know the embitterment with the system and the job and, and you're totally bitter about it and those that treat you wrong um, so it's a different condition. But why do we, why do we choose whether it's domestic violence offenders, whether it's employers, managers, staff, subordinates, leaders, whoever? Why, why is there a decision made to treat another person as if they are nothing, as if they are gutter trash? Like, I just, I don't get it. Why do it? you've got a subordinate and you need them to do something for you then you are relying on them so it is in your best interest to treat them well to achieve the overall outcome if you are a subordinate and you're relying on a leader to do something for you then it's in your best interest to treat them well and perform and, and achieve the overall outcome like it's not rocket science but frequently daily in multiple organizations and career lines um it, it just happens every day where people are just treated in, in such a way that makes the, let's call them the offender again, um, it must provide the offender with a sense of power, but it doesn't provide absolute power because whilst they may be in a position to do certain things, they don't have the respect for that. So they're only going to lose staff or, you know, be underperforming. And it's just sad. So anyway, that's... Um bit of a reflection and
still sitting down here on the river. I think I'll have to make my way back up the mountain very shortly. Been down here for an hour and a half. It's absolutely beautiful, except for the cicadas. They're a bit noisy, but, um, you know, that's just the way it is. It's still nature. I think there's only been four people down here other than me, and they're gone. I think. I can't, unless they're standing behind me, listening to me waffle on. Who knows? Yep. No, not bad. Uh, yeah, we'll see how this transpires. I look forward to getting more uh, more conversations with myself or others out because it's amazing how when you sit somewhere in the middle of nowhere connecting with nature that you can have a conversation effectively I'm talking into the phone but it is as Jeff Garland said you have a conversation with your subconscious and your conscious and he even names them so I'm yet to find out what I'm going to call mine they haven't given me ideas yet but I'm still also learning which one's which um, but as, as you talk, you then start get guided down a different path, like I have been. And um, it's interesting, how does that happen when you're talking to yourself? Is it the subconscious trying to release something or is it, you know, I don't know, I look forward to learning. I haven't designed a script for this conversation. I just wanted to put things out and see what happens and have a chat. If this is worthy of a podcast, then I'd like to start that and we can have the, you know, conversations in the bush. I don't know. Um, pain redefined I very much resonated with that when I was injured a song by Disturbed it really got me wound up because it's, it is redefining pain the back pain, the psychological pain everything I had I was working and pushing against it well not, a, yeah I guess pushing, pushing to change it to use the energy created from the pain in a positive way to move forward that works, but I like that so again another thought has come from somewhere in my body uh, to answer that question so it was you know I'd, I'd use that as the start off to all my gym workouts to, to try and get myself healthy and fit again uh, because you're redefining the pain the pain does not define who I am and and will not define what I shall do it's it's redefining and using the the energy transforming the bad energy from that pain into into good energy to to do something forward to go out and you know exercise or or do something strong with yourself to push yourself forward uh, yeah maybe that's a good name I don't know I'll have to contact guys and disturbed disturbed and see if I can use it that'd be cool but, uh, in the interim I like the uh, the sounds and the feel of connecting back to country and the water and the birds all the cicadas for today so we'll see what happens next time uh, if there is one and I'll listen to this later and if it's if it's worth it and it makes sense and it's not too horrible, then um yeah, I don't know, let's start a podcast. See if that works. I hear a lot of other podcasts where people are saying about that exact thing, starting a podcast. Um and a lot of them seem to be influencers, others are post traumatic growth, others are just people who want to talk about stuff. But they all say, Yes, you can, you know, you're worthy. Tell yourself you're worthy. People want to hear what you want to say. And I sit back with the same questionable um, lack of confidence and, and self-worth in that going, why does anyone want to hear what I say? You know, I talk to people individually and some people resonate with what my story is and have a connection that we can then, you know, help them move forward. But, um, yeah, to sit there and think this would actually be something people would listen to is a bit um, challenging. But in the same token, it's... Is it not worth putting it out there and seeing what happens? If no one listens, then who cares? I get to vent myself. It's one way of looking at it. 
says another voice in my head. Um, I guess you just, yeah. We'll see. Let's leave it at that. I think for now I might um, head back up the mountain and see how the path takes me. Hopefully all the way to the top without any breaks or falls. So for now I'll uh, say goodbye. Thank you. Be good and uh, stay safe.